Thank you, praise team. Would you give them a hand if you appreciate them today? Amen. I'm thankful for servants of the Lord that we can partner together with and lead us into the throne room as we worship together. I want to thank you, church, for allowing our family to to take some time of relaxation and being away. Uh, It was great to be with family. It's great to come home. It's great to sleep in your own bed. Uh, for sure. And so I'm, I'm so glad to be here today. I'm glad to be in God's house with you, to worship you, to worship with you, not worship you. I worship God. I don't worship you. <laughs> it's great to celebrate with our graduates today. I want to remind you and just say thank you for your faithfulness and your giving. As things look a little bit different in this day and age, uh, we have offering plates set up on the altars and in the foyer as you leave or as you come. If you want to drop your tithes and offerings in those plates, we would really appreciate that. And again, say thank you for your faithfulness. God has continued to provide for us as a church body through your faithfulness and your giving. And so we want to say thank you for that as well. So thank you for that. Thank you for being here today. I just want to ask you a question. If you're glad to be in church, would you just raise your hand? Okay. If you're glad that you are, um, if you're, yes, you're still, you, you're ahead of me, Della. If you're still glad to be in church right now, would you raise your other hand? <laughs> amen. Amen. I'm so glad to be in God's house with you this morning. We want to continue our series as we're talking about hope with redemption. And I'm so thankful for Pastor Greg for for filling in and and bringing God's Word last week, and uh, thank you for being here and supporting that. And uh, we want to continue this theme, this theme that God has hope for us with redemption. He wants to redeem us and rescue us, but that doesn't mean He takes away all our problems, but we can have hope that He is with us. And today we want to continue that series as we talk about Jonah So we're going to be in Jonah chapter 1 in just a moment. So I invite you, if you have your Bibles, to turn there, and we'll be there shortly. Uh, Jonah chapter 1 is where we're going to settle today. Uh, But I wanted to tell you a story um, quickly uh, about my life. Maybe you've heard this before. I don't know. Maybe you haven't. But there was a time in my life, especially as I was getting ready to begin the next chapter of my life, where I began to wonder and question, what is God's will for my life? Has anybody ever thought that before? A couple of you, okay? The rest of you don't go to sleep. We'll, we'll catch you up here in a little bit. But I was at a point where I just graduated high school, uh, and actually I had spent the, the first year after, after high school kind of taking a break, and I, and I waited to go to college right away, and I was deciding which school to go to. So I know there's probably some of our students here today that, that may or may not be in that camp where they're wondering what the next chapter is. Well, for me, I was deciding between two schools at the time, Mid-America Nazarene University and Southern Nazarene University in Bethany, Oklahoma and Kansas City, Olathe, Kansas. Yeah, I knew I'd get an applause from Suzanne there for Bethany. What a great school it was. So what I was doing as an 18-year-old student I was trying to weigh out, God, what do you want for me? You see, let me rewind a little bit in my life. I was called to, to preach God's word at the age of 13. And I'll tell you what, uh, Greg will understand this as well. At 13, I was ready to go. Boy, put me in a pulpit and I'm ready because God has called me and I'm good to go. Uh, uh, no, I was not. But I was ready in my, in my flesh. I was excited for the dream that God had given me, but I knew that there was preparation that needed to take place. And so I was trying to decide on which school I was going to go and start to fulfill my dream. 
And so I went to uh, visit both schools, went to Mid-America many times. We, we grew up on that region, and so we were at Mid-America for, for district things and regional things. And then my dad was asked to go preach at a revival in Oklahoma, and so I went with him because we were going to go visit Southern Nazarene University, SNU. And so I got to go down to SNU, and I got to visit the campus, and I got to meet professors, and I got to talk to different people. And it was just a great time. It was a great visit, a great experience. And so I came back from both of those times, and it was time to make a decision. Where am I going to go to school? And so I began to just pray and seek God's direction for His will for my life. And I continued to pray, and I continued to seek His direction, and I continued to be frustrated because I didn't have a clear answer. And it was frustrating to me because I'm a rule follower, I'm a, and I, want, I like order and if God says to go, I'm going to go. If he says to jump, I'll ask him how high, but I'm going to jump while I'm asking and waiting for that answer. You know, that kind of thing. I want to know the plan. I want to know the situation. Well, God had given me two options. And as I began to pray about those things, there was no clarity as to which one I could, should go to. And I had somebody very wise once tell me in this struggle that I was in, BJ, maybe what God is doing is he's giving you a choice. And his will for you will be in both places. But he's giving you the desire of your heart. Walk in his will. Trust him for his will to be lived out in your life. You see, I had history at Mid-America. My dad went to Mid-America. My mom and dad were married young and they were at Mid-America. So there was a family poll to Mid-America. I had friends there. And, and, and Snoo was a new adventure, a new opportunity and so it was just a hard decision to make. But I was trying to decide what God's will for my life would be in that moment. Have you ever been there? Maybe not with school. Maybe it was with school for some of you. Maybe the question became to you, which job to take or which job not to take? Or, or maybe it was between which house to buy or maybe you should rent for another year or whatever the case may be. Maybe for some of you, the decision is so unclear, should I have Italian for lunch or Mexican for lunch? Both? Both, okay. Okay, yeah. And so we, we, we kind of go back and forth. What is God's will for my life right in this moment? Whatever it may be, I believe it's very important for us to be praying and seeking God's direction for His will for our lives. I believe that God wants us to look at His word this morning, once again, as we see what His will for it is for our life today, as we look at Jonah's life and we see some things that happened to Jonah that we need to be careful of. And I hope today that we are challenged by God's word, but we are encouraged by God's word as well. From Jonah chapter 1, I want to invite you to turn with me. We're going to begin reading with verse number 3. And you'll see this on the screen for us this morning. Would you join me? Uh, read, read along with me as I read aloud from Jonah chapter 1, beginning with verse number 3. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed for Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. After paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed for Tarshish to flee from the Lord. 
Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, and they threw the cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he lay down and fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will take notice of us so that we will not perish. Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, Tell us who's responsible for making all this trouble for us. What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country, and from what people are you? Jonah answered them, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. This terrified them, and they asked, what have you done? They knew he was running away from the Lord because he had already told them so. This is the word of the Lord for us this morning. Thanks be to God. So in verse 3, we pick up this story right away of what Jonah is doing. And in verse 3, if you go back to the top of your text there, the bottom line is this. Jonah is fleeing God's will for him. It's, there's no other way to put it. Jonah is living in direct disobedience to what God wants him to do at that very moment of his life. He is choosing to disobey God. He's choosing to go against God's plan for his life. And he knows what God's plan for his life is, and yet he chooses to say to God, in essence, God, I know what you want from me, but I think I got a better idea. And I'm going to go this way because I don't like your plan because I know what you're going to do and I don't like that result, so I'm going to go over here and do my own thing. In other words, God, I don't need you right now. And I know on a Sunday in the middle of June that nobody that's coming to church right now would say they've ever, ever had that happen to them, especially here in Pittsfield. So I won't even ask the question, have you ever put your hand up to God and said, God, I got this. I don't need you. Please, if you've ever done that, don't raise your hand. We'll have an altar call later and we can talk about it later. But here's what we need to know. When we make this choice just like Jonah did, there's some things that we choose to lose along with that choice. And I want us to talk about those things this morning very briefly. What do you lose when you disobey God's will? What do you lose when you disobey God's will? If you're taking notes, it's on the back side of your, your bulletin flyer this morning. You can follow along. What you lose when you disobey God's will, the first thing is this. You lose your God-given hopes and dreams. You see, Jonah was a prophet. Jonah had been used by God in the past. He was a servant of the Lord and the people in his village knew that because Jonah was the man of God, they were waiting for Jonah to give them their next revelation. He was the one in his village that, that spoke on behalf of God. He brought the word of God to the people of God so that God's will could be done. This was a huge honor for Jonah, but it was also a huge responsibility. And when you study Jonah's life, you'll, you'll discover that there was some time between revelations for Jonah. 
And as Jonah was living his life for the Lord in his village, in his town, he was, he was telling the people about God and, and he was following all the customs of, that they were supposed to follow as Hebrew followers of God. But it had been some time since he had heard God's voice. And so he was, he was probably, and I, the scripture doesn't tell us this, but as you study his word, and those of you that have, have served in positions of leadership within God's church, and you've directing other people in, in God's will for their life or in what God's doing in your life, you'll find that there's times when, when you think God is silent that you begin to question what he's really saying to you. I know for me that's happened as well, where there's been times where I know God's not silent, where he's not keeping himself from me, but there's times when I really wonder and I struggle with, do I need to go this way or do I need to go that way? Do I need to say this to that person or do I need to say that? And, and you struggle with it. And I can see Jonah was living in that tension. He wanted to do everything God wanted him to do. He was the man of God. He had God-given hopes and dreams to be the prophet, the man of God for God's people at that time. You see, here's the thing. When we accept Jesus Christ into our life and we begin to live our life for him, we begin to believe, or at least we should, that we can make a difference for God. Amen? If you're following the Lord and you're living for him, I hope that when you wake up in the morning, you wake up with the attitude, you know what, I want to make a difference today. And it's not a prideful thing, it's not a I'm better than anybody else thing, but it's a I want people to see Jesus through the way I live today. I want to make a difference. I want God to give me a dream. I want him to give me hope to make a difference for him. And I believe that Jonah was living that life in his village. He was given the opportunity to be the man of God for the people of God. But you see, Jonah chooses to disobey God. He chooses to disobey God. So he loses some of these hopes and these dreams. I, I don't know about you. I need to share this with you because when we accept Jesus Christ into our life and he comes into our life and he begins to change and transform us, we, we have a different outlook on things. And I remember as, as a young 13-year-old boy, as I was going through my life and trusting the Lord with the next step, and I was surrendering my will to his will, and I'm saying, God, I want to make a difference for you. I want to do whatever you call me to do. And I was praying through that, and I was going to youth group, and I was seeking God's direction for me, and I was going to church, and I was soaking it up. I couldn't get enough of it. I wanted to make a difference, and we were in this, in this youth re retreat, revival time. We had a special speaker come in. We had some special, special services for our teens, and we were in those times, and we were on the last day of those services. And it was a Wednesday night in our normal youth group time, and in our normal youth group room, we had this one big room, and we had chairs that sat along the outside of the wall, and there's this big area in the room. And then at the front of the room, there's an altar, just a simple altar. And this, this speaker was there, and he was one of our youth pastor's uh, brothers that was a pastor, and he was preaching, and it had been a great time. And, and I remember he preached in that last service, and, and I was still wrestling with this, and I'm like, God, I want to make a difference for you. I, wanna, I, wanna, I want you to give me a God-given dream for my life. And I remember when he was done, I went to the altar, and I began to pray. And I wasn't praying that God would take away sin. I, I was already living for him, but I was praying for that next step. God, give me that dream. And we go through our prayer service that night and, and, we, and, and our speaker prayed over those people that were there. But I was down here at the end 
of the altar. I was on this end of the altar. And he started down there for some reason. I don't know what it was. But he prayed down everybody, and I'm the last person there. And by this time, for some of you kids and teenagers, you know this. Once a service goes beyond 30 minutes, you just check out. You're ready to go to the gym and play ball, right? I know, I know the feeling. This was long past that. And I'm still there just praying through this time. And the speaker comes down. And he laid his hands on me. And he began to pray over me. He didn't know me. He, didn't, he, knew that, he knew I was part of the youth group. I'd been in these services. But he didn't know who I was. He didn't know the call God had placed on my life. But he laid his hands on me. And he began to pray for me. And he started to pray this prayer. He said, God, this young man is going to preach your word. And hundreds and thousands of people are going to come to know you because of his life. Wow. And that very night, God gave me a God-given dream that I was to preach his word. And that through the miracle of preaching, through the miracle of living a life in the center of God's will, people would come to know Jesus because of my life? Wow. I wanted to make a difference. I believe God wants you to make a difference. And when you live for Him, He's going to give you God-given dreams. But here's the problem. If we don't choose to live for Him, we lose something and if we don't live for Christ, we lose that God-given dream. And Jonah made a choice. He left the center of God's will. And Jonah lost his God-given hopes and dreams. You see, when we choose to disobey God's will, we lose those God-given hopes and dreams. And as a believer, as a follower of Christ, your hope of making a difference for God is greatly impacted by your disobedience. Let me say that again. Your hope of making a difference for God is greatly impacted by your disobedience. We lose our hopes and dreams. Here's the second thing we lose when we choose to disobey God's will. We lose our power and our sensitivity. In other words, the further you get away from God's will for your life, the harder it is to hear His voice calling to you. We call that the heart, hard heart syndrome. That's hard to say. Try to say that three times fast. The hard heart syndrome. The longer we go living outside of God's will, the easier it is for us to ignore His voice. The easier it is for us to say, no, that wasn't God, that was just my stomach. You know what I'm talking about. No, I don't think that's God telling me to go do that. I can probably just stay home tonight. I don't believe that's God telling me to do that. I can just do this. Or, or we come to a service like this and we hear, we hear people preach and teach and sing and we're like, the Spirit of God is so strong in this place and we can feel Him right here with us and then we leave that and we're like, man, I never felt that. I never felt that. I don't understand what they mean by that. I never sensed God's presence. Well, maybe that's because we're choosing to walk away from His will. 
We lose the, the power of the Holy Spirit. The whole reason we as a church believe it's so important to connect to the power is because without God's power, it's meaningless what we're doing. So we've dedicated this special time every Wednesday night to say, you know what? I don't care what your week's been like. It may have been high. It may have been low. But this is a chance to plug into the power source. It's a chance to renew. It's a chance to hear that voice once again. It's a chance to get back in line. And we connect to the power. But the other thing we lose when we choose to disobey God's will is we lose the sensitivity of the Holy Spirit working. Let's look at Jonah's life for a minute, just in this situation. Jonah goes down below deck, we read in this story, and he falls asleep. There's this huge storm that's going on around them. It's breaking up the ship. The, the captain and the sailors are worried that the ship is going to sink and they're all going to die. And yet Jonah, he's so in tune with God, he's down there asleep. No. You see, Jesus slept during the storm, didn't he? But it was a totally different situation. Jonah goes to sleep. Why? Because he's lost his sensitivity to God being at work in his life. He doesn't care about anything else around him. He's lost that sensitivity to sense when God is working and he needs to be a part of it. And instead, he falls asleep. Again, you're not going to read this in Scripture, and I hope I'm not taking too much from this, but I believe maybe that was a trap of the enemy. If I can keep Jonah asleep then he's never going to hear God's voice again. And maybe the enemy does that for us still today. If I can keep them distracted, they'll never sense God working. If I can keep them doing good things, they'll never need to hear God's voice. It's a dangerous trap to be in. But when God says, Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh and preach my word to these people that need me, he says, no way know how. Here's today's equivalent of that. God says to you, I want you to go to Chicago. Whoo Sin City, Illinois. Am I, I'm not trying to be political. I'm just, this was the equivalent. The entire city was evil. The king of Nineveh was, was corrupt. The people were just doing anything they wanted to do. And Jonah said, there is no way I'm going there because I know you, God. You will forgive them and it'll be like nothing ever happened and I don't want to deal with that. Whoo! And Jonah says, no, I'm going to go the other way. He lost the power of the Holy Spirit and he lost his sensitivity to God at work. He's in the middle of the storm and the captain and the sailors are crying out to their gods, God's lower G. They don't know who the right God is and they're saying, God, just save us. I don't know what God you are. God of the wind and the sea, save us. God of this boat, I don't know, save us. And then they find Jonah asleep and they say, what are you doing? Get up, we're dying here. Who's your God? Maybe he's the God and he can save us. Jonah had no clue what was going on around him. <laughs> I use a silly illustration, but maybe it'll help somebody today. If you, want to know this, if you want to know what the center of God's will is for your life, you must open this book. We're talking about one story in this book, but I'm telling you, this book is chocked full 
of what God's will is for your life today. Well, pastor, how can that be? This, that book you're holding is, is so old. It's, it's outdated. It's written by all these different people. How can this have the center of my the center of your will for my life right in here, right now in 2020. I'm telling you, it does. This is God's word. It is true, capital T. You can bank on it. Amen? So if you never open this, you're never going to know God's will for your life. And you don't have to open it. I'm not, I, God is helping me in my, in my legalism. You don't have to open the paper version of this. We have so many different ways that you can get God's word now. Even before smartphones came out, this was the most popular, best sold book in the world. And now that there's an app on your phone, this, this word of God is in so many countries now, it's unbelievable that people don't know about it. You know what I'm saying? If you want to know the center of God's will, you've got to open this book. And here's the illustration. This, this book, just like any other book, but this book is true, capital T. And if I want to know the center of God's will, I need to be in this book. I need to be reading it. I need to be dissecting it. I need to be consuming it and allowing it to transform me. But in our lives as human beings, we tend to get sidetracked, don't we? We get distracted. And sometimes it's, it's not a bad thing. We get distracted with good things and we get out of that center of God's will because we go over here and we do our little thing over here or we, we go over here and we do our little thing over here. And, and we, get, we get out of the center of God's will. We start to wander, okay? We start to wander to the, to the sides and we go on our own path. And the further we get out here, we're still safe. It's not like we're living in sin, right? We can still do things that we need to do, but the further and further we get out here, the easier it is for us to ignore it. The further and further we get out here, we, we get out of the protection of God. We get out of the sensitivity of the Holy Spirit. We begin to hear His voice, and it begins to get quieter and quieter, and it's not because it's the still, small voice of God. It's because we're getting further and further away from His will for our life. And the further we get out here, we get out here off the page and all of a sudden this book's closed, starts collecting dust, and we're no longer in the center of God's will, we're no longer in His will at all. We've lost the power of the Holy Spirit in our life and we've lost the sensitivity of the Holy Spirit working. Why? Because we've chosen to go do our own thing. Jonah chose to disobey God. He gave up his hopes and his dreams. He gave up sensitivity to the power of the Holy Spirit. And finally, what, what do you lose when you disobey God's will? You lose your reputation and your testimony. When you go against God's will for your life, we lose a lot. And I would say probably the most important thing that we lose is this. Our reputation with others and our testimony for God. You see, Jonah fell asleep. The others around him were praying and they were scared for their life, but you know what? He didn't care anything about that. He was only worried about Jonah. Here's a true sign. You may be getting out on that area that's dangerous. Things in your life become more self-focused than selfless. Your reputation becomes about what your wants are and your desires are. People know you because of your stance for what matters to you, not to anybody else. 
and we get out of that center of God's will and we begin to only think about those three most important people in our life, me, myself, and I. Ooh. Yeah, I, don't, I don't know if I want to go hang out with them tonight. Why not? They, they just talk about themselves all the time. I don't know if I want to go, go with them to, 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 to dinner. I don't know if I want to have them over. Why? Because all they do is talk about themselves or they talk about their problems. Like they're the only one in the world. Like the, the sun revolves around them. You know the people I'm talking about. But why is that? Because they, they've lost the center of God's will. They, they lose their reputation. They lose their testimony. Maybe like Jonah, Jonah goes down and sleeps. He doesn't care about what's going on around him. They come to him and they wake him up. Man, you're, you're missing it. We're dying here. Who is your God? Have you ever been annoyed to tell somebody about Jesus? Let me ask that again. Have you ever been annoyed to tell somebody about Jesus? i got to go through this again? Oh, man. You mean i got to tell you what he's done for me in my life? I guess. Jonah's wake, he's awoken from a deep sleep. Jonah, who's your God? Tell us your story, man. How can you sleep here? Oh, man. My God's the God who's doing this to you. My God's the one who's in charge of this. My God is the God who is over the land and the sea. And they, <laughs> I'm so glad that God works even in our faults, aren't you? Jonah's frustrated. He doesn't want to talk about his God, but they're begging him. And he tells them who his God is. And, and then in verses 8 to 10, he confesses who he is. He confesses the problem of what's going on. He confesses who God is and why this is happening. And here's what they said to him. I'm so glad that God's grace is bigger than anything we can imagine. They said to Jonah, not to God, they said to Jonah, Jonah, why did you do this to us? It's because Jonah got selfish. Jonah disobeyed God's will. Jonah didn't care about anybody else. He cared about Jonah. And they didn't look at Jonah's God and start cursing him because of what Jonah did. They looked at Jonah and said, Jonah, why did you do this to us? In other words, when you disobey God's will, it won't just affect you. It will affect those around you. Sin in our life isn't just an individual sin. We may be able to keep it secret for a while, but guess what? It affects everybody around us. And when we're walking outside the center of God's will, we lose our reputation and our testimony for God. But I'm so glad that God can work through our faults. You see, these sailors are furious at this point. They know his story. They know his reason that he's there. And they are not happy. But they're scared. If God is doing this to chase Jonah down, what would he do to them? And Jonah tells them. You know the story. Jonah tells them, throw me overboard and God will deal with me. Throw me overboard. And as they throw him overboard, they are praying a prayer of confession. Can you believe it? They're not even believers. And they're saying, if you're the real God, do not let us be held accountable for this guy's disobedience. And they throw him overboard. And the sea 
calms down. Praise the Lord that God can still be seen through our faults. Causes me to think about our own lives, though. When we're walking close to God, what speaks the loudest to other people? Is it our actions or is it our words? Or maybe we need to look at it on the flip side as well. If we're going to lose our, our, our testimony and our reputation, when we're not walking with God, what speaks loudest to people? Our actions or our words? Oh, I'm a Christian. I, be, I believe that there's a God. I'm, I'm a Christian. I, I just, I'm saying that just so you can put me in your little survey. But do you go to church? No. Do you read your Bible? No. <laughs> what are you doing on Saturday nights or Friday nights or... What are you doing with people that you shouldn't be doing? Or what are you doing that you shouldn't be doing anyway? Well, I'm a Christian. We're all Christians. No, we're not. Are your actions or your words speaking loudest? Jonah was at the lowest point, even to the point of death. He's thrown overboard, and as you know the story, he's swallowed up by a big fish. And he spends three days in the belly of this fish. He cries out to God in this time. You can read his prayer in Jonah chapter 2. He cries out to God and we see something take place. We see hope with redemption for Jonah. We see hope with redemption for Jonah. Because as the story goes, and you know this, the story goes, the fish has Jonah and in his three days in his belly and there's all sorts of different theological things that are going on there that we don't have time to unpack today. But after three days, the fish spits him out onto dry land. And we pick up the story in Jonah chapter 3, verse 1, and we see God give Jonah hope with redemption. Here's what the King James Version says. And yet, what that means is, even though all of this stuff happened before in Jonah's life, and yet... The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Aren't you glad we serve a God of second chances? Pastor, I've already used my two up. Aren't you glad we serve a God of the next chance? Oh, come on now. Maybe some of you haven't used your second one and you're still waiting. Many of us have used more than two chances and we need more than second chances. We need a God of many chances. Am I right? And I'm so glad we serve a God of the next chance. The next chance. God gave Jonah a second chance. God gave Jonah the chance to say, Jonah, I'm not changing my will for you. Ooh, that's good. That's good. Sometimes we think if we can disobey him, we can run away from his will for our life. But when we come back, that will will be different. No, I've been there too. (laughs) I was running from God for a little while. I said, you know what? I don't want to do this church thing. I don't want to preach. I don't want to do this. God can use me to sit in the back row of a church. I can be the greatest accountant God could ever have. Amen? And I'm going to go to school for accounting and business. And I enrolled in class. I had the nerve to tell God, I got this. I'm going to go be an accountant. 
I like numbers. I'm a nerd like that. I can sit on that back row and write a big check to the church. That'll be okay. (laughs) In my life, God got a hold of me and he just... You dummy. And I fell on my face and I said, God, I need another chance. I need another chance to serve you. I need another chance. And I'll tell you this, I didn't go to God and say, God, would you please change your will for me? But when I came to him and I said, God, I surrender it all. Whatever you want, it's all yours again. Guess what? His will for me was the same. He still wanted me to go and to preach, just like Jonah. Jonah, you need to go to Nineveh. Oh, God, no. They're evil. They're not going to listen to me. Who am I? Jonah, go to Nineveh. They need to know that I love them, that I care about them, that they need me. Jonah, go to Nineveh. Okay, God, I guess. His attitude was still horrible. Aren't you glad that God can work through our faults? None of you have had bad attitudes. I know that when you're serving the Lord. You think of Backyard Bible Club and you're like, oh, not again. Guess what? God can still use that attitude. And in fact, he'll probably use that attitude more than some other attitudes. Why? Because he's working in your life too. Jonah says, no, God, I don't want to go to Nineveh, but I will. Because you're a God who's given me a second chance. And he goes to Nineveh and he preaches God's word to Nineveh. And here is the incredible miracle that happens. Hope with redemption wasn't just for Jonah. It was for everyone. And his message lands. It said, the Bible says he spent three days walking through Nineveh. Nineveh was a town with a population about the same size as Springfield. Okay? 125,000 people. Took Jonah three days to walk this town. And all he's doing is he's walking the town. You need to repent. God loves you. Repent from your ways and he will forgive you. Otherwise, you will be destroyed. And he just, I can see he had a horrible attitude. But he's given the message. God loves you. Oh, I got to talk about my God again. He loves you. He will care for you. Repent. Well, guess what? The king got it. The king's like, if he's serious, I need this. And I want to walk in the center of God's will. I want that hope. I want to be rescued. I want to be redeemed from all of this evil that is around us. And the Bible says the entire city went into mourning and repentance. Wow. I believe, I've said this all along through COVID and all of this situation, God only allows evil to happen for that which he's going to redeem Isn't it going to be great when we can stand on the street corners and scream, God has redeemed Chicago, Illinois. God has redeemed the United States of America. God has redeemed us. Why? Because we fell on our face and we said, God, I need another chance. Praise God. But what happens when we choose to disobey him? We lose all of that. We lose it. But I'm so thankful that God has hope with redemption for us today as well. What about you today? Have you lost your God-given dream? 
Were you making a difference for God in your world and now it's just kind of like, yeah, whatever. What was that God-given dream that you have lost because you've chosen to leave God's will for your life? Maybe you've lost your power, your sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. Maybe you feel like you can't feel God anymore, that He's just not close to you. I want to remind you today, if you don't feel God, it's not because He's gone. It's because maybe you're not in the center of His will for your life at this time. Have you lost your reputation? Have you lost your testimony? Have you pulled a Peter and have you stuck your foot in your mouth more times than you care to count? People look at you and they think, yeah, that's just, uh, whatever. They're talking again. Or can you walk in the center of God's will and say, it's not about me anymore. It's not about what I want. It's not about what I even think. It's about what God wants to do through me. God has redemption for you and for me. He's a God of second chances and third chances and fourth chances. And get this, as long as you're willing to come back to him, God is the God of infinity chances. Well, pastor, what about that unpardonable sin in there that says it's unforgivable? You know what the unpardonable sin is that's not forgivable? Is you not repenting. That's what it is. You can't be forgiven when you're sitting in hell. But we have hope with redemption. Why? Because we can say, God, I need another chance. I need another chance. You see, God wants to rescue us. He wants to redeem us. He has hope for re- and with redemption for us. God is our hope and our redemption. God loves you. Somebody needs to know that today. God loves you. He loves you so much that he died for you. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross. Why? Because if you were the only person that needed rescued from the belly of the fish, he would have done it. Because he wants you to walk in the center of his will. He loves you. He wants to rescue and redeem you. And most importantly, I believe this is so true for us. If we're going to stay in the center of God's will, we've got to let God lead us. He wants to lead you. He wants to be your pilot. He doesn't want to be your co-pilot anymore. Trust me, I've been there in the last 10 days. If you don't have your hands on the steering wheel, you get scared sometimes. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Stay on the road. I don't want to get in the rumble strips of life. I'd rather stay in the center of his will. I want to let God lead. So I'm going to ask you all to stand with me this morning. As you're standing, as you're closing your Bibles, you're putting your notes away. Some of you are probably even thinking about lunch and what's going to happen next. I want you just to pause for just a moment. We're not going to be here long. I just, we just got to, we got to take care of some business first. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Maybe there's somebody here that you've lost one of those three things like Jonah has today. You've lost that dream that God had given you. You've lost the power of the Holy Spirit in your life or the sensitivity to it. You don't feel Him anymore. Maybe you've lost your reputation. Your testimony's damaged. God can redeem you. 
restore you and rescue you. You know, maybe you're standing there today and you're not living where you're supposed to be. You've made a willful decision to disobey God's will. You have chosen to sin. That's the definition of sin. I am choosing not to do what God wants me to do. If that's you today and you need a second chance with nobody looking around, I just want to pray for you. Would you just raise your hand? I want to pray for you. Thank you. Thank you. God, I need you to rescue me. I need you to redeem me. I've, I need a second chance. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Praise God. You can put your hands down. Maybe you're here today and you haven't, you haven't sinned. You haven't chosen to walk away from God's will for your life. But you're really not in the center of his will. If you want to be in the center of God's will today, would you just raise your hand? If you want to be in the center of God's will for your life right now, would you just raise your hand? Amen. Amen. Would you pray with me? God, you are so good to us. You are the God over the land and the sea. Literally and in our life. God, you are bigger than anything that we're going to face. You're bigger than the highest mountaintop that we may be on and you're, you're bigger and stronger and deeper than any valley we may be walking through. And God, there's some people here today that have said, you know what, I'm not living right anymore. I'm choosing to walk away from God, but today is the day of the next chance. And God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would come and surround them right now. Every person that raised their hand for that, Lord, I pray that they would be able to pray a prayer of forgiveness today. To say, God, I need another chance. I'm tired of running away from you and I want to live for you the rest of my life, starting right now. I'm sorry for my sins. I'm sorry for walking away. I want to be on your team in the center of your will today. God, forgive them. I pray as they've prayed that in faith that you would go. Your word tells us that if we confess with our mouth, you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Thank you for that. And God, there's so many hands today that went up that said, today I want to be in the center of God's will. I don't want to wander anymore. I want to be right smack dab in the center of what he wants for me right now in this moment. God, I pray you'd help us all to long and strive to be right there close to you. Thank you for the second chance. Thank you for the next chance. And I pray, God, as we open your word, just as it did to Jonah in chapter 3, that your word would come to us once again. Help us, God, to walk in step with you. In Jesus' name, and all of God's people said together, amen and amen. Have a great day. We'll see you Wednesday night.